You're listening to episode 31, our bold mashup. This episode is brought to you by Drop Counter. Hi, this is Tom Hickman, Director of Engineering and Infrastructure Planning in Bend, Oregon. This is the podcast that is a resource for any city that wants to transform their community through communication. It's water in real life with my friends, the H2 duo, Stephanie Zavala and Ariane Shipley. Like forge connections with the people who are at the, who, who underpin our society, right? You know, without that guy, we would have garbage piling up in the street. Like these are the people, the, the water operators, the uh, the garbage truck drivers, like the people who maintain the electricity grid, the policemen, the firemen, they are the people that like, without which we wouldn't be able to swan around and, and, and obviously, you know, and always think about uh, the novelty. So in terms of the call to action, it would just be like, respect the maintainer. Okay, y'all, we're super excited. This is our very first mashup. And the theme for today, I would have to say, is bold. We love boldness. We love people who are bold. It's one of our core values. We're all about the bold. Bold is gold. So I chose three of the people that I really thought brought home boldness. A lot of our guests have, but Tom Hickman, Samantha Villegas and Tom Ferguson really nailed some ideas of being bold in in their statements with us. And so Tom Hickman's section is going to be talking about the incredible story of when he had the guts to come face to face and with one of his biggest opponents in one of his projects. Uh, Samantha Villegas talks about the boldness it takes to speak up when you may be the only one willing to speak up in a situation, why utilities need to be bold in their branding and act like customers do have a choice in who they get their service from. And then Tom Ferguson really talks about what it takes to be bold in communication. And not only in the ways that the water industry is communicating with the public or with its customers, but also with the way that we're communicating with one another internally to making sure that we're in line with our mission and our values. So super excited about this one. I hope you guys really enjoy it. And if you want to hear more of their story, you can check out all of Tom Hickman's interview in episodes 18 and 19, Samantha Villegas in episode 14, and Tom Ferguson in episode 11. So without further ado, let's get to the show. That's a great example of how technology is definitely great and a good thing. Um, but, you know, Ariane and I are still very passionate about kind of that, that human touch. You know, we still feel like a smile, a handshake, a face-to-face conversation, even if it's in this digital version of face-to-face, uh, still go a long yeah. way. Um, but in order to be successful, you've kind of already touched on this. You have to have the right people in the right place. Uh, so what are some ways that cities and water departments can begin to transform their workforces. Uh, you you touched on this with the the disc and the strength finders. And what if they're starting from kind of square one, where you were at in that position, where you had some difficult decisions to make? Um, you need to develop support. You you, you, you have to develop that support. Um, and uh, you know, one of the things that I did that I, I like to use as an example. Um, when we were in the heat of the legal fight on the water project, um, the community was angry. 
the council had shut down essentially all uh, spending, all capital spending on infrastructure. They, 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 projects that were under construction, they stopped. Um, wow. So we were kind of at that really ugly point in time. And um, that was at the same time we were pulling together this sewer infrastructure advisory group. And there was one individual on there that the guy, he could not stand me. And I really felt like I had record low support at that point in time. Um, I, I think I was negative, I'm pretty sure. Um, so and, so uh, here's an example of what I think people need to do. And now I do this regularly. That individual, I called him up. And I said, hey, you willing to meet me for beer after work? Yes. And he was a little reluctant. But yeah, I but bet. He, he agreed. <laughs> and Only if I get to buy my own because I don't want you to like murder me through a dream. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty like, yeah, there was little trust <laughs> relationship. Poison me. How disarming. And, wow. And I actually was a little nervous that he was going to be bring a gun. But um. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, we met at this bar and uh, it, at this pub and um, had a beer and it was amazing. He actually sat in his chair so that he almost had his back to me. He, he, he was like almost looking over his shoulder to communicate with me. He would not, not face to face. And yeah. um, I just was, hey, you know. I got nothing against you. I'm, I'm here. You know, what is it that you're so angry at me about? What? And, and, yes. and, oh boy, he unloaded on me. Right. And, and you were an elephant. And I, I just sat and listened. I just mm -hmm. listened and I just sipped my beer. And, um, when he got all done, uh, I, I just, you know, turned to him and I said, okay, so how do we change this? You know, yeah. because a lot of what you just said isn't isn't true even about me personally. That it's not even right. Like in my own personal life, I'm not that way. Yeah. But I understand yeah. you don't know me. So how do how do we change this? And right. um, he was pretty negative, you know. But he basically was, you know, like, well, you know, I'm gonna. He we had invited him to be the chair of this infrastructure advisory group on the sewer. And he told me he's he's going to kind of take over. He's going to take charge. And um, I I just said okay. Um, well, I'm here to provide information to you because that's yeah. what I have. I I have information. I'm, yeah. I I and what I told him is is I said look, I, ultimately what decision you make, um, it is your decision. I said, but what I'm going to make sure is that every decision you make is an informed one. So um, wow. that that's my criteria. And so anyways, we went on and we met. And over the course of months, the relationship changed rather dramatically. Fast forward, two years later, um, when we were finishing that sewer master plan, he was one of my, and still is, one of my biggest champions in the community. Wow. He is, yeah. he, he basically, 
you know, acknowledged he was wrong and said, man, you know, this guy is honest, he's truthful. And so um, it really was, it, that was a big moment for me. And I, and so what I call it now is um, you, you choose your beverage, but co co <laughs> coffee diplomacy or beer diplomacy actually yeah. works really well and face-to-face -face well. matters and getting together with community leaders is part of your job as a director. Gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like that is probably one of the only things I don't regret leaving the city that I wish that I would have, you know, not spent so much time wondering why this, why, why, why doesn't this person, you know, understand what I'm trying to do? Why don't I, why don't, why aren't we getting along and instead of just, I mean, we once tried to pick up the phone and talk, but you know, we should have said, let's go have the beer and let's go get out of the office, get yeah. out of a, you know, work setting and hash this out. Like, yes. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, what is it? What is it really truly coming down to? And that really does make a huge difference. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 So many times I feel like a lot of it is, uh, you know, people just, they just want to feel like they were heard. Right. And, you know, as much of a beating as I'm sure that was to hear those things said about you and, you know, your work and what you're doing, I feel like just being the elephant in the room, the good elephant in the room, you know, you, <laughs> you let them, okay, well, I'm glad you got that off your chest now. Now, how can we move forward? You know, and I feel like a lot of times people get stuck in the being right versus moving forward you know like you were like nope not really but i heard you and now what can we do to move yeah. forward so yeah. very powerful yeah. thank you so much for sharing that story that was that was amazing um so what are some of the hardest decisions communicators and pr professionals have to make in the real world that are related to ethics and what are your what's your advice to them right um, Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Go. You, you got something else there? Well, no, I, I kind of wanted to give you um, my example was that when I was in grad school, my professor, Becky Johnson, who's the reason that I am in water, said that all of you are going to, all of you are going to have a situation where you're going to be asked to do something that's going to rub you wrong. And it's going to be your responsibility to make the right choice that's in the best interest of, you know, the, the public and the, the, the health and the environment of the community that you're working in. And so um, I was just wondering when look, when having those conversations with students, like what are some, that's kind of where I was coming from with this question is like, what is, what is it that you are telling them? Like you're same kind of thing. You guys are going to be facing some tough choices. I think you're absolutely right. So, you know, the big one is, what are you going to do? Are you going to leave? Um, do you have the bank account that enables you to leave? Maybe you don't. But make no mistake, when, when a business is behaving badly that you're involved in, and you read the signs from the start and realize that they're not going to do the right thing, or they're not willing to, you know, um, you know, 
pull the full Monty, you know, take responsibility for their actions, apologize, correct it, whatever. Um, having been there, that is a, a, um, that is a stomach ache and a fever that you wake up with every day and have to go in and do. And the everlasting effects on your reputation are real. So um, it's it, the, the bottom line is, are you going to stay or leave? You know, yeah. thank you to the clash on that. Um, so that's the thing, your reputation, your his, you know, what history are you making for yourself that you're going to live with? Or are you going to stand by, um, a, a code of ethics, are you going to um, have the guts in the moment? And here's the other thing that I tell students and young professionals is these moments are happening more frequently than, than you think. You have to pay attention. Mm-hmm. It, when the hairs on the back of your neck stand up, you got to speak up. You've got to open your mouth. And a lot of times, you know, um, you're not just the communications officer, you're the conscience officer for the organization, you may be the only one in the room that is going to speak up and say, Oh my God, you guys, that's not right. And we've got to do, you know, I was, I was sitting in a meeting not too long ago, um, saying to the group of people, if you don't, if you are wondering whether we're at a crossroads, we are, this is a big moment right now where we're deciding what organization are we? Are we going to, you know, um, enable this kind of behavior and um, let this kind of thing fester, or are we going to take a leadership role? And I guarantee you, um, it is a lonely place to be. It's a scary place to be, but if you stand on ethics, you will come out okay. Mm. Yeah, and that was some advice that our mentor had given us. I mean, the the moment we kind of said, okay, we're we're thinking about taking this leap. And he said, you know, if I can give you any advice, it is for you to, to truly know like your core values and where you stand because, you know, you're no longer, of course there's, you know, poor ethics in, you know, public service, but when you're out in the private world, it seems even more prevalent. And so he's like, know your core values and what you stand for and what you won't stand for um, before you just take this leap. And we had to kind of both Stephanie and I talk about that and have some deep, deep conversations about that. What, cause I could get offered a, you know, a contract that sounds great or a job that sounds great. And I take it back to her and she says, Oh, I don't know. This doesn't feel right. And we have to both be able to stand for it together. And, and that was really some great advice that he gave us. Yeah, I mean, you know, no doubt if you take a look at, you know, the news anytime today, yesterday, the last six months, the last six years, um, there's a whole heck of a lot of people who are still choosing money over ethics. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. I can't. It's it's um it's heartbreaking. I've I've had to walk away from opportunity and money, um, but I sleep really well at night. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and at the end of the day, at the end of the day, that's what's most important is that you're sleeping. able. He's sleeping. I mean, <laughs> yes, one hundred percent. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's funny how there is this um, perception in the public sector because we had it too when we were there that 
the private world is just all all about one thing. And yes, there obviously is a capitalistic nature to the private world, but there's a lot of great people out there doing great things that are doing mission-driven work as well and trying to make a difference in in the world. But, um, you know, but th that's not to say that there's not people who aren't doing some sketch things in the public world as well, which is what Ariane kind of was alluding to. But, um, but I think it's as long as we're kind of just moving beyond that fear of doing the right thing and just trusting in uh, humanity that they're going to see through your mistakes and, and see you through to the other side of, of any crisis or situation. Word up. Or maybe you don't and you deserve it and you should get canned. I don't know. <laughs> what are your thoughts on water utilities investing on cultivating their brand as a tool to establish a higher perceived value of their product, which is water with their customers? Right. So it's essential. Um, but I have to, it's essential that they do that, but I have to caveat this with the, um, with the, um, uh, statement that, you know, remember that a brand is not a logo or a tagline, right? It's, exactly. that's not what we're talking about here. We're investing in behavior. We're yep. investing in training people to do the right thing and say the right thing. And, um, you know, um, serve people in a way that, um, you know, is respectful and meets expectations and all of those things. So, um, yeah, anyone that's not doing that is likely missing out on a opportunity, but also B just, um, you know, success, like having those high customer ratings, having those people, um, you know, that are, you know, not just your customers, but would choose you if they didn't have the choice, you know, exactly. I mean, if they, they could choose you if they had the choice. So in a lot of cases, water utilities, you know, just take advantage of the fact that they have a, a an essential monopoly, but you want to behave as if tomorrow they had a choice, they'd still pick you. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Because a lot of times when I try, cause I love branding and I love the, um, just kind of the magic that happens when companies really invest in that. And I, and I can, obviously I see water and everything. And so I can sort of see the potential of, and there's some cities across the country for sure that have really uh, invested in building up their brand and, and have that relationship with their customers. But sometimes when we talk about branding, we, we get like a lot of deer in headlights and blank faces because that's just not a, a phrase or topic that's commonly thought of in the public sector, especially whether water utility or a water provider. Um, so I love that you kind of broke it down in terms of, you know, we need to kind of start looking outside of, of how we've always looked at things. And, and like you said, really beginning to look at it, like what would our organization look like if our customers could choose, like how, how much harder would we be investing in showing them and serving and showing them the quality of the product that we're giving them and the people that are working towards giving it and also the customer service aspect of that too and making sure that we're delighting them. I can't think of a better word. But. Right. No, it's, it's true. Here's a quick example. I was working with an organization that was a utility that was having an issue with their, um, 
union workers. So the union workers were feeling unloved. They were feeling taken advantage of. They were feeling all of these feelings. And the organization called me and they were like, you know, what we want to do is a education campaign that lets them know that we got them, that we care about them. And, and I went back to them and said, do you care about them? <laughs> do, do you have them? So what are the things that you're doing? And let's look at that and look if there's some places where we can shore that up. And they kept coming back to me going, well, no, you know, we just want the education campaign. We want to tell them that we need a catchy tagline and a, and a phrase we can use that, you know, we got you or whatever. And I said, but if you don't got them, if they're not feeling <laughs> cared for, then I don't care what you call it. It's just another, you know, um, a stupid, you know, slogan, you know, yeah. so the, the behavior is what has to be there. They have to feel it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just another empty promise then if, you know, and especially in our, in the water industry, a lot of the men and women out there in the field doing some of the toughest jobs around, in my opinion, and not getting paid much are like those kind of extra things are that employee um, engagement and employee development is, you know, some of that is sometimes the only thing that they, they have because they may not be able to always get the, what's the, the paycheck that they want mm -hmm. at the end of the day, yeah. you know? And so those things really speak volumes and yeah, like what a, what a terrible thing to say that we, that we got you, but, but you know, only on paper, right? <laughs> There's nothing behind it. <laughs> so obviously, um, number two was our favorite, uh, right? We yes. need topic, not like yeah. number two. Yeah. I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, number two is fun to tweet about. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Hashtag water puns. And, and tweeting is and tweeting is integral to number two. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. That's this one is like number two and tweet. Yeah. So, yeah. give us your take on uh, on the communication. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, I, you, the people who are listening to this, you know, I, I'm obviously like just as with Catalyst preaching to the preaching to the choir. Um, but again, like all the people and plans are, uh, in the world are irrelevant if you can't communicate it, um, you know, both internally and externally. Like the power of storytelling is is absolutely enormous. And again, it gets treated as fluff. You know, why would we have a storytelling workshop in a water utility? Um, that's not what we do. We don't need to do that. You absolutely do need to do that. Um, because being able to communicate like the value of your organization in the community underpins pretty much everything that you want to do uh, up to and including the politics of your board um, or all the way into the, uh, the rate rises. Um, you know, the most fundamental things that a water utility is going to need to do is going to rely on communications and it is... It is absolutely undercooked um, as a as a as an issue, but they, it's not just water utilities, right? Um, it's all water organisations. Um, you know, startups in water. You know, we try and get ours to to to, to be as strong on this as possible. But it's um, if you walk into you know any water conference or any kind of um, you know st uh, startup pitch competition, it's almost invariably you'll have maybe sixty to seventy percent. You know, their slide deck doesn't look good. Or you look at their logo and you think, ah? And it's like, wait, hang on a second. I have no idea what brand you're trying to communicate. You know, what all these kind of problems are 
you know, are, are, a, are a real issue. And the good thing is that they're relatively simple to solve. It's just, you know, banging the drum over and over and over again. It's making sure that you're very, very clear about your, the, the message that you're trying to convey, um, obviously both internally and externally. Kind of, you know, the, the biggest kind of examples I can kind of point to is that, you know, every organization should have a mission and a vision. Right. Um, and then a set of core values. And then a set of core values. Right. And you need to make those visible. Um, I was so struck. I walked into the Santa Clara Valley Water District uh, just a couple of years ago when I was relatively new. And I looked up and there was a banner in their front hall um, that said exactly what the mission was. Yeah. You know, write the goddamn thing on the wall. You know, that there's, there's, um, I can't remember whether this is apocryphal, but I've been parroting it ever since. You need to say something 24 times internally before anybody believes you yes constant banging of the drum whether it's a strategy or a mission or a vision or it's the focus for this quarter or or whatever it is or some cultural change you're trying to affect like it's hard but if you can get good at it it's a total superpower because everybody else is is really not uh really not that great at it Uh, and you're gonna get sick of hearing yourself and you're gonna think that everyone's heard it a million times and you're gonna think that they're tired of you and they want to like follow you or whatever but the truth is is they probably haven't even heard it yet so just keep on saying it i think that's like the biggest thing is that we get so caught up in thinking that we're just saying the same thing over but um that it's just we've had that time and time again in conversations where we're like well isn't everyone kind of tired of hearing about that and they're like they haven't even heard it yet so keep on (laughs) <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Your and I think Facebook post, you know, yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. might be the best like poster in the world. Nope. But your one pe- Facebook post about one thing, one topic, um, I'm sorry, it didn't get to every single person. So just keep going a little bit more. Yeah, okay. yeah exactly. Okay. It's fine. And it's okay to repost stuff. Like, Yay. All the rest. Yeah, all the rest of it. I think just the, like one, the one last point on this is that, um, it is, it is the essence of an unfair advantage. Um, with the entrepreneurs, we're always looking for unfair advantages. What have they got that can't be replicated? And people usually jump, jump straight to the technical. But one of the big things is, is um, you know, being able to tell a story. And the, you know, the fundamental way of, of doing that is, is charisma, right? That, that, that can obviously go wrong. Um, if you're overly charismatic and you don't have the, uh, the execution kind of behind it, then you can blow up rather large sums of money. I'm looking at you, Saranos. Um, so you're looking at me. I know. I got nervous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, we're, we're bad blood. Anyway, we're probably going to talk about one, that later. Like a hundred bucks on a bottle of wine, but I didn't say that. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, yeah. Like yeah, well, and um, but but in in terms of, I was really struck by this. I saw um, Alexandra uh, Acacia Cortez, you know, who just got elected in um, in New York. Um, no matter what you think of her politics, right? Is that is that you you look at that person and she's got more charisma in her little finger than most people have in their entire body you watch it and you want to listen to her you want to be around her you want to be part of the message that she is saying and if you are a natural communicator and you have like whatever it is it's really hard to teach it's really hard to teach and for in terms of organizations like if we're just talking from the point of view of early stage companies people who are able to convince their first investors and their second investors and third investors, but more importantly, their initial customers, even more importantly, the team members that want to come in and do something as crazy as be part of a water startup, right? You know, being able to tell the story is absolutely vital across the board. And it really is like an absolutely unfair, unfair advantage. 
So that's, yeah. that's the communications piece. Well, it's official. The first Water in Real Life mashup is in the books. We hope you enjoyed our Bold is Gold mashup and tune in every Monday as we drop new mashups leading up to season two that drops on January 28th with the George Hawkins, a.k.a. the Bono of the water industry. So I have a few action items for you before we part ways today. If you haven't already, please make sure to sign up for our email newsletter by going to theh2duo.com. We want to keep in touch with you. An email is really the best way for us to do that, especially to let you know about new episodes when they drop. Second, please hop on iTunes and shoot us a rate and review. We'd love to hear from you. Third, please share, 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 share. Sure, we do sponsored ads, but it just means so much more when it comes directly from a friend. And finally, did you know that Ariane and I own a public communication consulting company called Rogue Water? Uh, yeah, this is our chance to work together, y'all. Check us out at roguewatergroup.com and shoot us a message if you think there's a way we can work together to do the work that matters. We hope you learned something new today, got a little different perspective, or did something that moved you one step closer to your goals. Until next time, remember what one of our favorite quotes says. Those who tell the stories rule the world. 